I want you to take your Bible and turn with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 41. Hold your hand there for just a moment. And uh, we're going to get to that. We're in the series, second sermon in a series that we're talking about back to the future. There's some things that you and I need to go back to. We need to reestablish. We need to go back and and, uh, touch God again and let God touch us. And this is a great thought. Uh, Last week, as you know, we talked about return to the compassion of the Savior. Compassion with passion. Serving the Lord with enthusiasm. Today I want to speak to you about returning to the companionship of the Savior. I want to talk to you this morning about serving God with encouragement. And that's what we'll read in just a moment out of Isaiah chapter 41. You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. I read a little thing this week. I thought it was so interesting to me. I like, I like stories and I like children's honesty. And he said, everybody needs encouragement. But few people make it known quite as quietly and as clearly as the little boy who said to his father, Dad, let's play darts. I'll throw it and you say, wonderful. Now that's the way to do it, right? And I think we're the same way. And I think our Heavenly Father is the same way. The Bible teaches us that when we do God's will, it's the applause of heaven. Did y'all know that? If you've never read the book, The Applause of Heaven, that's one book you ought to read. Because there is a tremendous connection between our heart and the heart of God, our service to Him and His love and encouragement to us. And when we go back to the very roots of who we are, And if we look toward the fall in serving our wonderful Lord, I want to encourage you in this matter of encouraging each other. We have some wonderful people in our church who serve us on a regular basis. And you should have received when you came in our nomination. It's time for us to nominate the men who have an office that actually means servant. And those are our deacons. And... uh, how many of you got one of these? Let me just see. How many of you got one when you were coming in? Oh, guys, you did a great job. Ushers, I think, have some more. Is there anybody who didn't get one of these? I'd like for you to see who our deacons are uh, now, the ones who are rotating off. And then if you have somebody, hold your hand up if you didn't get one yet. And the men will come to you right away. Just keep holding it up. And uh, they will get to you. Let me explain to you as you look at Yeah, go if you would. Um, it says our current deacons. It gives a passage of Scripture about the biblical description of our deacons, our servants, the one who serve all of us. And there's a box at the top that shows the current deacons. Now, the ones on the left-hand side, starting with Errol Cooper, are the ones that will be staying on. Our deacons serve for three years. They rotate off. They do not cease to become a deacon, but they're not on the active deacon body. The ones on the right are the ones who will be rotating off this year, and there are some listed at the bottom of the page who have served as deacons before and who are now eligible to serve again. But I want you this morning to think about people in our church who have been a blessing to you. The guys that you look around and you see, and just about every time you show up, they're here. The ones who help us when we have work days, the ones who pray, the ones who are faithful to our church. And uh, I'm praying that God's going to give us some wonderful new guys this year as well. 
And so I'd like for you to take a moment as God brings that to your mind. At the end of the service, we'll take these up as we go out. But be sure to fill that out this morning. We have three areas of uh, gathering these. First of all, our staff gets together, and they make their nominations. And then the deacons get together, they make their nominations. And then we have our church body get together, and they make the nominations. We put all those together, and the ones who have been nominated the most consistently go to a list. We send them a little questionnaire, and they will fill it out and send it back to me. Then I sit down with every one of our men who have been nominated to be a deacon, the deacon and their wife, and we talk about the ministry of our church. It's a wonderful way for me to get to know these guys and for them to get to know us. We want to have a church that's serving and caring and loving, and I do appreciate the tremendous amount of people in our church who have been an encouragement to me. And uh, I want to say this openly and boldly right now. I've been in the ministry for a long time. God has let me pastor wonderful people. Somebody said, how long have you been in the ministry? Longer than I want to tell you. How long have you been married? I've been married the same length of time that I've been in the ministry. And I'm not going to tell you that either. But it's been a long time. And God has given us the privilege of serving five churches. This church right here is what will be the crown of my life. I love you, and I believe you love us. I have never felt in all of these years, over 40, how God's people have lifted us up on the wings of prayer. And I want you to know from my heart and from my wife's heart, we deeply appreciate you're standing in prayer with your preacher and his wife. And from my heart, I just want to say thanks. Amen. Just thanks. God's doing something else too. God is starting a movement of prayer. When we start praying about something else, then God begins to bring other things into our mind. God is starting a movement of prayer in our church. And I think all of us know that we will rise no higher than we rise on the wings of prayer. Because God, you know, the Bible says, the battle is the Lord's. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and spiritual darkness. Boy, there is a battle going on, right, in everybody's life. Every one of us feel that, 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 that in our life. And I am so glad to declare to you today that God is greater than that. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And I believe God is doing something in our church. I'm hoping and praying that it'll be in our homes, it'll be in our lives. When you're driving to work, when you're going home, whatever you are, just be breathing in prayer. God, work in my life and make me what you want me to be. And God will do it. God will do it. But sometimes we need a place to hide. Come here up here, baby doll. You know, uh, y'all know I got a pretty wife, right? Do y'all know I overmarried? Does everybody know that? I way overmarried. I mean, you don't have to hoop and holler, but you know what I'm saying. You know, I mean, you know I did. And um, the Lord has been so good to us. And it's wonderful that all of us find a place that God has created for us. I asked her to sing for me this morning. I'm going to let you listen. But this is my sweetheart. She's been my sweetheart ever since I met her. 
Y'all, some of y'all know this. She was engaged when she came to college. Don't go there. I, and I told my baseball coach, I said, see that girl right there, I'm going to marry her. She can't marry her, Brad. She's engaged. I said, I don't care. I'm going to marry that girl. Guess who married her, folks? Me. Little old me. But God's been so good to us. And I want you to listen to this song. I believe every one of us can identify what I've asked her to sing. God bless you, baby doll. Yes. For the past few weeks, uh, Psalm 91 has been such a blessing and a comfort and an encouragement to my heart. And there's a verse that says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you can trust. My way was filled with danger I felt alone The enemy had singled me out To do me wrong But when he drew me My heart filled with fear then I heard someone dear calling me to his side And I ran under his wings There he covered me and now I can see And the enemy he still looks for me, but what he can't see is that I'm under my Lord's wings.
There's no place I'd rather be than under his wings. Amen. There's no God like our God. There's no guide like our God. There's no friend like our friend. There's no protector like our protector. No motivator like our motivator. No comforter like our comforter. No example like our example. And no defender like our defender. No indweller like our indweller. No friend like our friend. No savior like our savior. He is God of all gods. He is king of all kings. He is Lord of all lords. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Shammah, the God who is always there. There is no God like our God. Hallelujah. And I believe that, folks. I believe that with all of my heart. The Bible talks about us being encouraged. And I want to read for us now, I want, to, I want you to, if you have your Bible open, I want us to read this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 41. We'll read from verse 6 to verse 10. They helped everyone, his neighbor. And everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, it is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, thou art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen. The seed of Abraham, my friend. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof. And said unto thee, thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and I will not cast thee away. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. The presence of God. We're going to talk today about practicing the presence of God. We're going to talk about how important it is in all of our lives to go back to that moment. I don't know where in your life the first moment that you felt the presence of God in your life but many of you can remember the first time that God overwhelmed you with his presence. And I could take you to the spot in my life. Oh, I'd, I'd heard my dad preach. My dad was, in my estimation, one of the greatest preachers. This last uh, Tuesday when we had our staff meeting, we all the time, always have a time of devotion. And I'd found a half a sermon on a CD. And I pray, prayed it for our guys about 20, 25 minutes. And he was talking about the cross. And what Jesus had done for us. And I thought when I heard that, I said, God, what in the world am I doing preaching? He's one of those old kind of preachers. I don't know if you all ever heard one who he strikes fire. Son, you just look out because God illumines his mind. He's able to paint pictures with words that are, it's almost unbelievable. I had heard him ever since I was a little boy. But there came a time in my life, a crisis in my life, when I had to decide if I was going to, live my own way or God's way. I had a lot of opportunities. I'd already gone three months to Cuba as a missionary. I'd already done a lot of things, but when I was 16 years old, I was battling in my heart. I'd walking home from a football game down an old path. All of my buddies and all of my friends and most of our school were in the school gym. They were having a sock hop. Some of y'all old enough know what a sock hop is. 
Some of you have never lived. You don't know what a sock hop is. But my daddy said, son, I'd rather you not go. I want you to come on home. And I was fighting. Halfway between the school and my house, God came. Put his arm around a 16-year-old boy. And said, son, I want you for me. And I wrestled with that for a little bit. And then I said, God, all there is of me you can have. And I'm not much, but I promise you, as long as I live, you'll be my God. You'll be my king. And God came into my life in that moment on my knees in the middle of the woods. I was overwhelmed with his presence. Many times since that, I've experienced the presence of God. It's wonderful to know that when days are bright, God will be with you. It's good to know also that when days are dark and you're in the middle of the night, God will be with you. Somebody said, don't forget in the night what God taught you in the light when everything was clear. And so I think today what we need to do is go back and reestablish a relationship of God's encouragement by who he is and what he has, wants to do in our lives. I want to remind you, I want you to think about, we can be encouraged by returning to our Savior. Three simple points this morning. Returning to the Savior. Who is this one who hung on a tree? Who is this one that left heaven's glory? Who is this one that the Bible said he wasn't lying when he called himself equal with God? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery. He wasn't taking something that didn't belong to him. To be called equal with God, but was in all points made like we are. Good night, God made like we are. The God-man, the unigenes, the only one of a kind, the only one that there's ever been. He was all 100% God, and yet somehow God let him be 100% man. So he said, I can feel your infirmities. I know your troubles. I know your burdens. He hungered. He thirsted. He was weary. And yet, he took as God and man our sins on the cross. I read a song that I haven't heard for a long time, but while I was studying, it says, I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. He fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood. And never till my dying breath will I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. My conscience felt, and I owned the guilt. My heart was in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. But with a second look, he said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for your ransom paid. I died that you might live. Forever etched upon my mind is the look of him who died. The lamb I crucified. And now my life will sing the praise of pure atoning grace that looked on me and gladly took my place. If we could just go back for a moment and stand with the crowds. In fact, the book of Matthew says, and sitting down, they watched him there. Can you imagine that? They must have sat on the grass, on the stones. While there were crucifixions all the time under the Romans, Brutal, 
cruel. There wasn't an audience. In fact, as they were rounding up Christians in the next few years, they would round up Christians, they would dump them in oil, they would stand them on a stake, on a stick, and they would light them one by one, and they lit the skies at night with Christians who would not deny their faith. And their family would be there and their friends. But on this day, all heaven and all hell were watching the Son of God die. And sitting down, they watched him there. Could I take you back just for a moment? If I can take you back just for a moment, I guarantee it'll encourage your heart. Man, you'll want to serve him with encouragement. If I can just take you back for a moment and let you know and let you and you and you know that Jesus Christ loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. So many times when I'm leading someone to Christ and I open the Bible to that point, I don't want to make it generic. And as we open up that verse of Scripture, I'll say, now look, when we get to this whosoever, does that mean you too? And the guy will say, yeah. Ladies say, yeah. The boys say, yeah. I said, then I want you to put your name. For God so loved Jimmy. For God so loved Susan. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son so that you wouldn't have to perish but would have what everlasting life if we can just go back for a few moments that we're in here and say lord i want to thank you for your cross i want to thank you that you are my savior i can get a new grasp on what that means a new grasp new grasp of his sacrifice unlimited price he said whatever it takes I'll pay it unlimited mercy whatever you have done I will forgive it an unmerited and unlimited grace which says whatever you need I will supply it now who is that for you know every Sunday morning we have people in our church who are on the brink They've been thinking about becoming a Christian, God's child. They're, they're in their journey, their spiritual journey. They may almost be there. But last Sunday morning, a lot of you folks know who you all were here. We had a, a couple, a wonderful couple, came forward and received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You know what? That completed the deal. That's who the Lord's saying this to. He's saying, I've taken everything, whatever it takes, I give you mercy unlimited. I give you grace unlimited. And that gives me a new grasp. I get a new gratitude for my salvation. My gratitude comes from being measured by the recognition of the size of my need and the size of the effort it took to meet it. You know... I've walked with a lot of you, a lot of you, through some tough days. been my privilege. But I can only go so far. There's some things I can't do, but not my Jesus. It says when he was praying in the garden that he went a little farther. He took the 12 out there with him, actually 11. And he took eight of them and he said, y'all stay here. And then he took his inner circle, the three, and he said, now y'all stay here and I'm going to pray. And he was over there agonizing in the garden. 
The Bible uses this phrase. He went a little farther. Can, you, can I tell you something this morning? No matter how far you go, if you'll look down the path, Jesus has already gone a little farther than you have. Hallelujah. You never outwalk God. I get a new gratitude when I measure it. And I get a new goal for my service. Second Chronicles said this, my sons. Be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. I remember the first time I ever saw this verse. I know when y'all look at this muscular, sleek body up here, you would never imagine that at one time I was a little overweight. When I was probably nine years old, I was as wide as I was tall. And I wanted to go out and play baseball. And my dad had worked with me when I was a little boy, and I could hit the baseball. And he'd pitch it to me, throw it to me, try to hit me with it and all that. And he said, son, he turned me around so I bat left-handed because it was shorter for home plate to first base than it was on the other side of the plate. Some of you ballplayers know that. He said, you're going to need every advantage you're going to get. Your legs are short and your body's big and you're in trouble and I remember when we had batting practice you know man I'd come in and boom I'd hit the ball pop I'd hit the ball he taught me that I struck out three times two times in high school I struck out three times in four years in college I didn't strike out much that's the encouraging part the discouraging part when I was in those early years, I'd hit the ball to the right field fence and get thrown out at first base. That's real discouraging. You know? That's very discouraging. And I remember the day came when, after practice, they were going to pick a team. Man, I was sitting there, and I said, oh, man, I'd love to be on this team. I sure would love to be on this team. They kept calling names and calling names. And finally, Coach said, Bradley Price. Man, I said, I felt like, man, I mean, I strutted over there and I stood and rest up. And I know I took two places, but I still, I mean, I made the team. The first time I read this, I remembered that. Did you hear what God said? My son, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you. I want you on my team. I chose you. Yeah, but Lord, I, I'm not good as everybody. I've chosen you. Yeah, but God, I, I can't run very fast. I've chosen you. God, I don't have all this stuff. I have chosen you to serve me. You mean I can be your servant? Yeah. You be my coach? Yeah. And ye will, listen to this, minister unto me. I want to ask you a question. You think God was listening while we were singing a while ago? Talk to me. Think he was listening while we were singing? You think he rejoiced in the praises of his people? You know what my Bible says? The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. I don't think it has anything to do with how good you sing. I like the way those guys played this morning. They did an awesome job. Do you know the Bible says... Play skillfully and play loudly. When I was first studying, I 
learning how to play a trumpet. My baseball coach was also the guy who was teaching me how to play trumpet. And he said, Brad, don't play that thing soft. I said, yeah, but I don't play it. He said, it's all right. And his name was Blue Note. If you hit a blue note, make it sound big. And I thought, wow. God said, I want you to minister to me. We are right now, all of our teams, Brother David and all of his teams, Michael and all of his teams, Dan and all of his teams, Randy and all of his teams, we're in a recruiting mode. We're getting ready. For, we're believing God for the greatest fall we've ever had. And I believe God is moving among our people and saying, I have chosen you to serve me. I want you all to minister to me. And I want you to do it with all your heart. He ended it by saying this, and I want you to burn incense. So I look at my Savior, and I return to him. I get a new grasp and a new gratitude and a new goal. But I also need to return to my shepherd, don't we? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25 says, But you were a sheep going astray, but now you have returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Wow. I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my what? I shall not. He maketh me to lie down where? In green pastures. He what else? He storeth my soul. I want you to think about this for a moment. You see, when I return to my shepherd, it has to do the one who leads me. The Lord, when he, last week I read the verse of Scripture out of Matthew where he was saying, he was so burdened, his, he was moved with compassion. He had already been healing people, he had been helping people, he had been already doing this, and all of a sudden he saw this tremendous multitude, and the Bible said he was moved with compassion because he saw them as sheep having what? No shepherd. Why did that bother him? Because he said of himself, I'm your shepherd. I will lead you. I will provide for you. And boy, I got to walking down through here. I have a new peace when he's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some little old boy was trying to memorize He said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. That wasn't too bad. You know that? Pretty good. Pretty good. When the Lord's my shepherd, I have a new path. Because he leadeth me. He leadeth me beside the still waters. But you know something else? I have a new protector. Yea, though I walk through the valley, what? Of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, folks, you have to understand what the rod was and what the staff was. The staff was what he went over and he gathered the, gathered the sheep and he'd pull them out of the briars. And he'd go over here and he'd, one would slip off the hill and he'd pull him back. And he'd go over, you know what the rod was? Yeah. It's what your mom and daddy put on you when you were a kid. If they had any sense. The Bible said, if you love your child, you'll, you know, hit them a little bit. 
The Bible said, thy rod and thy staff, they both comfort me. I want to get a new look at my shepherd. I want to get up close to my shepherd. I want to put my hand out and say, would you lead me, Lord? You'll lead me into those paths of righteousness for your name's sake if I'll return to my shepherd. And then another thing, I think. I've got to return to my sender. Maydell and I came as close to dancing last night as we can. It said something about memories. It was 1950s music. Have y'all ever heard that mess? Do wop, do wop, do wop. You know, you know. Love me, tender. Love me true, and I winked at her. You know. I don't even remember what they were singing, but we just sat there and moved around, and I moved in one direction, she moved in another one. We were. But do y'all remember that song? Return to sender. What's around? What was it? Address unknown. <laughs> you reckon God's trying to find you? God's sending a message down here, and somebody come back and say, "I can't find that bird, God. I don't know where they are." No, that's not really a good picture because God knows where all of us are. I got to return to my sender. I got to return the one that called me. I got to return the one that loved me. I got to run the turn that bought me. I got to come back to him and say, God, send me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not according to our ability, not according to our mind, but according to his own purpose and grace. Wow. Which he hath given to us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Wow. He said, I don't know the way I am. I, I'm, I'm this way. God says, I made you that way. But I made you that way for a purpose, and I'll give you grace. You know why he has to give us grace? Sometimes we jump the track. Here's your purpose. God said, I'll do that for you. Who has saved us and called us. I read about a church. A church that's growing incredibly. They don't call the people who join members. You know what they call them? Staff. And somebody will stand down here like Brother David that welcomes everybody. And he says, this family's coming to be a part of our church. And we want to welcome into our membership. That's good. In their church, they say, folks, we want to tell you, we got a new set of staff members here who are with us today. You know why he does that? He said, I don't want you to come and sit and sour and soak. I want you to come and believe that God's given you a purpose so you can serve God because your sender has sent you here. Here, God said he puts us all together like fitting the bricks together, like fitting the stones together. God puts us together so that they, every one of us has a purpose in his life. You say, yeah, but preacher, I'm weak. He knows that. And he calls you anyway. So I get a new calling. They call me with a holy calling. I get a new commission. Psalm 92.10 says, But my horn shalt thou exalt, 
and I will be anointed with fresh oil. I don't want to regress. Somebody wrote me while I was waiting in the hospital. And they said, preacher's going to be all right. And they gave me the verse of scripture. I will give you a new heart. I will take the heart of stone out of you. And I will put my heart in you. And say, God's going to give you a good heart. And he does. So I began to read about this new heart. And I found out that the Bible says, I will give you not only a new heart. I will give you a new calling. And then this verse right here. And I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And I began to study that. Do you know what, folks? Listen to me. King David, one of the greatest servants of God of all time, had three major times in his life when God came and called him. Did you know what happened? We studied last Wednesday night. Guys, if you missed Wednesday night man cave, you are not a man. That's all I know how to say. Come on, I won't challenge you. We had a great time. We had a great time. But David was a little boy. He was keeping the sheep. And Samuel came to him and he said, God has called you, son. You're going to be king. And he held his head like this. And Samuel anointed him with oil. The Bible tells us when he stepped into the kinghood, he came and he anointed him with fresh oil. And then when he got to the third division of his life, God came to him and he anointed him with fresh oil. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know where you think I am in my life. But I know that God has fresh oil for every single day, every single challenge, every single thing that he'll call us to. God's got a vial of fresh oil that he wants to put on your head. And he wants you to serve him. Don't you dare sit on yourself and sit there in a seat and realize God did everything in the world for you. He bought you for heaven's sake. And you just come in here and look around like a man looking for birds. God wants to call you. God wants to save you. God wants to anoint you to be a servant of his. Hallelujah. That's the truth. You say, why? Because the world is dying and the time is short. I wanted to bring out 2 Peter, where it talks about in these last days. How many think we're living in the last days? Somebody sent me a thing to encourage us to host something in our auditorium here. Joel Rosenberg is putting on about an hour and a half program of up-to-date, right-on-target, Bible things that God said would happen right before he would come back. Folks, I'm telling you, most games are won in the final moments of the game. Most football games are won in the fourth quarter. God says, I'm looking for people in this day to serve me. Not only does God want to give you a new calling, God wants to give you a new commission. He's got fresh oil for you. 
But God wants to give you a new crown. 1 Peter 5, 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I believe this with all my heart. The Bible says that we're going to get the privilege. Whatever rewards I get, whatever accolades I get, the greatest privilege that a man or woman will ever have is to have something on their head that outlives time, that outlives our life, outlives our good and our bad he said here I'll give you a crown of glory that will last forever you know all I'm going to take with me whatever I've already sent ahead and what God puts into the form of a crown and he gives it to me but folks watch this one day God's going to call your name he's going to call mine I'm going to walk down he's going to be on that throne we talked about the judgments there's going to be judgments to the Christian it's not a matter of guilty or innocent. Thank God everything that I've ever done, said, everything else is covered by the blood of Jesus. You know what that thing is for? It's to hand out rewards. And some people are going to stand there and say, God, I gave my whole life to the wrong thing. I heard about a man who climbed all the way to the top of the ladder of success. And when he got all the way to the top, he found out his ladder was leaning on the wrong thing. Our greatest, finest hour is when you and I are able to come to the Son of God and take that crown and kneel before Him and lay that crown at His feet and hear Him take His hand and put it on your shoulder and say, well done. Good job. Sorry. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. He never said, there are no awards for most talented. Thank God there are no awards for Polkatrude. There are no beauty pageants in heaven. Except, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those <laughs> that take the good tidings of God. God wants to use us. God wants to sow encouragement in our heart so we can sow encouragement in the hearts of others so we get the job done for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the verse that you said, Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. God, most of us in this building have accepted you as our Savior. We know what the song means. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We know the thrill of forgiveness. God, I pray this morning that you would begin to put in our hearts that desire to serve you with encouragement. Everyone helping each other. Everyone encouraging each other. Everyone pulling together for the same cause.
everyone praying for each other. Oh, precious Lord Jesus. If you're a Christian, I want you to just keep your head bowed. I want you to think about your life and your desire, your calling of God. But I wonder today how many people there are in this building who say, Preacher, on my journey, my spiritual journey, I'm not sure yet that I'm on my way to heaven. If I had to measure from 1 to 10 in my certainty, I'd come up short of a 10. But I believe God died for me. How can I be saved? Listen carefully to me. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says He knows the thoughts and intent of our heart. Wherever you are right now in your seat, if there's a desire for God to come into your life, God to forgive you, God to change you, then I want to lead you in this prayer. And I want to remind you, prayers don't save people. Jesus saves you. We call on Him. Out of the sincerity of our heart, we call on Him. Just say this to the Lord. Imagine Him in front of you. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've done things that are wrong. I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for me. And Lord Jesus, today I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I am trusting you right now as my Savior. Write my name in heaven's book. And when I die, Take me to heaven. Thank you for saving me today.